Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. All right, what do you got, man? Well, I think I'm cheating because I'm going to have a Disney film. That's fine. Because there's literally like... Take what you want. You that know, that like... could go like four million of them. They're all great. Yeah. But Lion King. Of course. It's got to be the go-to. Like when you first think of like a great soundtrack, for me growing mm-hmm. up was Lion King when yeah. I was little. Why Circle of Life, you know, all those. Elton John made a chapter in his life, man. He won an Academy Award for it. He it's, made a Broadway musical out of it. And it's still humongously popular today. Yeah. Like It's Mimic, too, that, I mean, that movie and everything. True. Yeah. And uh, I believe that was Hans Zimmer? He's done stupid amount of movies that yeah. I love. That Him, John Williams are probably the, the two for me that I'd like notably no yeah as far as Danny Elfman too but yeah like Hans Zimmer for me is a lot of my adult movies growing up were a lot like The Dark Knight yeah. Interstellar those movies I you know clung to I'm like who's making all this great music, music you know yeah. I'm like oh wait he's been alive forever and he's made you know uh-huh. The Lion King I'm like oh okay that makes sense but uh-huh. Yeah, Lion that's a King. great choice. Yeah, Disney. I mean, you can go on soundtrack rabbit holes too. You know, and Disney has a Does lot. Does anybody of else have any Disney ones? I didn't. I don't think. Well, no. that's what I was saying. You want me to rattle them off? Yeah. Tarzan, Aladdin, uh, Beauty Aladdin's and the Beast. Good, oh my God, Aladdin. I mean, with Tar- Williams, Tarzan was yeah. About, Tarzan was about when I started aging out of like. Yeah. I remember getting that, and that's how I first found Phil Collins. I thought wow. I was like, wow, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, he took note from Elton at that point. That's why he did that. Yeah. You know. He, yeah. Yeah, he won Academy Award, I think, for that, too. But, yeah, like, Aladdin was, like, the I think the pinnacle, like, oh, my Disney. So, that's, oh, I, I, I still don't watch if I had a copy of it. VHS, Probably man. <laughs> that was one cartoon that was built around a person. They built that around Ron Williams. Oh, my gosh. Which, they don't usually do that. They usually don't build movies around. So, Disney, obviously, paying a big part with soundtracks and stuff. Here, yeah. Here's something that I really want to talk about that... If this guy's movies played such a pivotal part for the soundtracks, that's John Hughes' movies. John Hughes, who had such great soundtracks on some kind of wonderful, pretty in pink, Breakfast Club. I mean, if those songs were not in those movies, yes. I mean, that, that, that movie, those songs in those movies are such a pivotal part. What's the first thing you think of when you think of Breakfast Club? It's the last Don't scene. you forget about me. The yeah. whole, you know, it's literally the last scene. Yeah, that's what I think Judge Reinhold putting the fist up in the air, you know? Yeah, Simple think, Minds, right? Yep, yeah, still minds, still yeah. Minds. yeah, but he, I mean, if you think about it, he had Pretty in Pink, you know, which, that soundtrack, it was awesome, too, you know I mean? OMD, so. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that to me is one guy that also, I mean, go ahead, Jay. I'm sure I'm going to mention him now, because you just, I, I can just kind of yeah. read your, uh, <laughs> yeah. I say Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like, there you go. I mean, because yeah. we didn't Quentin mention Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino would not, his movies are also, with like some of, some of his movies have the songs and then he has the score but go ahead why'd you pick yeah. it I'm just saying like same thing like same almost like the Godfather like the way his music is like all of his movies are two and a half three hours long like <laughs> keeps it moving but I mean yeah. but also he puts songs in you don't expect I mean yeah. yes kind of like uh, like when you meet Jules and Vincent like that are playing Jungle Boogie by yes. yeah. King, and, then, uh, and they put like you said like the like the, you're talking about um um, the radio, Grand like, Theft Auto, they, they, that that has the effect yeah. with the radio. Uh, like Miserly, which kind of like reintroduced people to like that surf guitar and like Link Ray, kind of like mm-hmm. that garagey kind of sound. Uh, what else? Chuck uh, Berry. Chuck yeah. Berry. Uh, I will say like, and I used to play the song at my place of employment. I don't know why I haven't heard it in a while, but like Al Green, let's stay together. Yeah, like when you meet Marcellus Wallace, like you're in, like in the office just waiting to meet him. 
And then uh, there's a song in the movie that wasn't done by the guy; it was done by a no. I, no, I have it right here. Sorry, uh, Urge Overkill doing like "Girl, You Be a Woman" soon, like yeah. during the Mia ODing scene. That's like one of the weirdest scenes you could ever do for like somebody ODing on heroin. Like they're playing a band from Chicago, Urge Overkill, who is kind of like never really made it super big. They were just more like a cult band, but I like, never heard them. Like yeah, they're Na- uh, Nash Cato is the lead singer. Like he's kind of well known in around Chicago. I mean, they're just kind of, hmm. and that song was big on MTV. Like that was like playing like every twenty minutes kind of video. Like that was just really? a time. Like and that was like ninety fours when the movie came out. So mm-hmm. that's like Man, that's you're watching years. it. You're watching probably Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam into like Urge Robokill doing Girl Be a Woman soon and then to like Longview by Green Day like boom 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 like you have all these what's the scene where they're dancing oh Chuck Berry Chuck Berry is that okay yeah uh, Say La Vie by Chuck Berry yeah I I just remember I was like this is the strangest movie like when I first watched I didn't know all the hype and the cult behind it but then I started watching it and I'm like it's so intriguing. Like the soundtrack gives you, like, okay, I gotta keep watching because I don't know what's happening, kind of. And I could have almost added another one of his films, Jackie Brown, which has like yes. more of the route of like soul and just like another very like you're sitting there like that. I guess that's Quentin Tarantino's thing, but most films are like. What's great about the soundtrack too is that he interfaced this the movie into the soundtrack, the CD. So like in between the songs, there's dialogue from the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like you'd go from a song and there'd be like a dialogue. It'd be them talking about, you know, I'm the footmaster, you know? Like, yeah. That's one day. Are they talking about, talk about like the, the big man? Oh, yeah, with cheese. Yeah. Yes. But I will say, though, like the movies, some of the songs in the movie didn't make it to the CD, which kind of makes it hard to be like, you think about soundtrack buying like on a CD or digital download versus like what songs are in the movie. Like, can't hardly wait. The, the actual soundtrack to that movie, it's like, yeah, but it's like it's just more like the actual songs playing in the movie. Yeah, yeah it kind of same thing right. with Pulp Fiction. It's like Pulp Fiction was like, yeah, like not not nearly all the songs are on there. Like the ones that really kind of have give you seen Reservoir Dogs? I've not. Like I need to. Like that, some... they did the same thing with that. They, there's parts when they're driving around the cars and they're playing songs, and that's what was so popular about the soundtrack. But instead of like you know the dialogue for Pulp Fiction, it had the people that were um, like in the movie. Instead, for the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, it was Stephen Wright, the comedian, was the radio announcer for... Just doing his deadpan kind of... Yeah. yeah, Listening to the rock sounds of the (laughs) 70s. And, like, in between the songs, it was him doing that like it was, like, from the movie. Oh, it was really cool. But that was was his first soundtrack, Quentin Tarantino. But now, if you listen to, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, look at the music in that movie. You know, like, how how Uh intimate that, you know... Is for that movie. There's such great music. Is there any other songs in that soundtrack that you wanted to mention? Uh, what did I have here? I would say like Link Ray, because like Rumble, like that, dun, dun, yeah, like that. That's, that's just most, like that's what I think. That kind of reintroduced him to like people. Like Johnny was 20 when that movie came out. Like I was all of like 13, so I was kind of at that age where like mm-hmm. I couldn't have been in the theater seeing it, but like it really reintroduced anybody who was like 18 to 30 at that time. Yeah. Side note, who, I was really fucking high when I saw that. <laughs> who may have only like it should be. <laughs> who may have only heard like Link Ray if their parents were cool enough to have like that 45 in their collection. It was like he was going through and discovering stuff like, oh, you know about Pearl Jam, but hey, what about Screaming Trees or a band like that didn't get as much play. Mm-hmm. That should have from that same period. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that. kind of what like Wes Anderson and you don't expect her. They're pulling out ones like they're pulling out like not even B sides. They're pulling out like C sides off albums. Like I didn't even know that al- song was on that album released then. Like 
Well, I'd say you could probably say all of Quentin Tarantino. I mean, is there movies made that doesn't have a killer soundtrack of some? Like Kill Bill was good. Yeah, Kill Bill. But but see, then he had Hateful Eight, which had one of the best composers yes. of all time just composing the music, which was Encino Mocino. Yeah, he did uh, like yeah. the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, he did all yeah. the spaghetti westerns. So he had the guy yeah. for his western do the western time. And I actually own that in vinyl because that won an Academy Award for best score that year. So what's um, the other one he did uh, with uh, Jamie Fox? Oh, uh, Django Unchained. Yes. Django Unchained. Do you know who was originally he wanted to be in that role and he turned it down? I found this out. No. He was trying to negotiate with Quentin how he wanned the movie to go, and Quentin, you know, it's Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he's Quentin like, uh, basically like, probably, like, you know, like, <laughs> and think about the biggest actor at that time of when, like, was that twenty twelve? Yeah. Well, he was still probably pretty big. He's not as big as he was. Will Smith. He wanted Will Smith to be in that movie, and Will Smith. <laughs> turned was, it down. Yeah, he turned oh, it no. down because he didn't, they didn't negotiate the way he wanted. But you see, see think, look at what he did for Jamie Foxx. Yeah. You know, yeah, like it was a great. Film. Yeah, so it just goes to show. And I think part of it, too, is that the studio had a hard time convincing them that Leo DiCaprio was going to be the villain in it. <laughs> like, they, they were like, they were like, we, we can't see him being the villain. And are you sure you want to do this, Quentin? And he's like, yes, this is who I want as my villain. You and know? it's created some of the greatest memes of all time. Yes. Is Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh, man. So, but just, you know, that's another, you know, great score, too, for that movie. My one that I picked in here, I don't remember if you guys ever seen this movie. The soundtrack to this movie I've played a million, million times. I was living in Glenwood Springs at the time, so I'm not sure what the year it came out. And I went and saw it with some friends, lived out there in the valley with me. I didn't live with me, but lived in that area. And we went and saw Garden State. Garden State is a Zach Braff movie. It was a big directorial debut, and the movie is amazing. Because I go three or four. I, I, I've never seen the movie. I know like a lot of the bands on the soundtrack. That kind of. But tell me the, how that movie plays with the soundtrack from the beginning of that movie to like the end of it. Like, there's so many songs in that movie. Like, if they weren't in the movie, the movie would not be the movie it is. What year did that come out? Two thousand three or four. It starts out with Coldplay. That song was made to be in that movie. It's just crazy. Like it, you watch the movie, it just it paces the movie to how the beginning of this movie is going to go. Oh, but, don't panic by Coldplay says here. Yeah, so. but it had some of the best. Like who else is on there? Dude? The Shins. Like that really yes. broke the Shins. Like the Shins were mm-hmm. just probably going to be like a middle of the road kind of band. Like when Natalie Portman's literally saying you have to listen to this band, it's going to change your life. So yes. I'm not mistaken. Like when Zach Braff is doing the whole putting together the movie, like. He wanted input like on what people were listening to. Mm-hmm. It's like when she says something like that, it's like like this band's gonna change your life to yeah. put that on there. Yeah, but sure. he it's it, he went out of the gate though and had this critical acclaim, and now it's been hard for him to like get back to that critical acclaim again. He's made some pretty good movies, but that movie, um, the... which is ironic too, is that the person that gave him that break because it was from his studio was the same person that gave Quentin Tarantino his break for Pulp Fiction. And that's Danny DeVito. Look up Danny DeVito's production, producing credits. Wow. He, he produced uh, Pulp Fiction. He produced Garden State. He basically Zach his break. He produced Pulp Fiction? Yes. Oh, wow. I did look not the, know that. Yeah. So God. it's like this guy, you know, if you you got to look behind the scenes sometimes. There's people out there pushing like people's artistic work that gives people these breaks that you never realize, you know. 
yeah, Garden State is a great movie. It's a, without giving too much away, it's about this guy that has a bad relationship with his family, and he comes back home because he's living in California, struggling to be an actor, and has to deal with a lot of different things. And this a lot of like weird, obscure things that happen. You know who has a, his debut in that movie and went on to be huge? Like physically? No, acting wise. Okay. Oh, it, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, no, no, not Peter. Did. He had like a five, ten minute part in that movie and went on to do Big Bang Theory. Um, Jen Parsons. Really? Yeah, he's okay. in this scene where they're eating breakfast in the morning, and and yeah, he, he wakes up and he sees this guy walking across the living room in a, in a night outfit, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm not going to give away too yeah. much. It's a pretty funny scene. Um, this kind of deals with like how we act with our parents and kind of like, you know, when you become an adult, that whole transition to becoming an adult and taking ownership of your life kind of thing. Shoot, JT. I'm going to say number five on the list, uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah, I was waiting I, for someone to throw that one. Wow, so yeah, I had it written down That's here. kind of another like yeah. one where it's like A to B to Z and everywhere in between. I mean, it's like, Great 70 songs. Yeah, like 70 songs and 80. Because, I mean, it goes from, like, yeah, 75 right. or 76 to, like, 1983. It goes for... Night Ranger. Jesse's yeah. Girl. Like, it, like you can listen to those songs now or as a kid, but then once you watch this movie, you'll never see you hear yeah. them in the same way. <laughs> True. It's like... Wait, wait, wait. This yeah. is the best part. He's, <laughs> like, turning it off. It's like... But then, uh... God only knows why the Beach Boys, kind of, at the end. Like, when everyone's kind of going through oh, yeah. their redemption points, uh... Eric Burden with War Spill the Wine. Yes, that song's sweet. Uh, Best of My Love, The Emotions. Like, they have, like, all these random 70s bands. It's, even before it was on, like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I could have added, but, like, never having seen the movie but heard the soundtrack. Elvin Bishop doing uh, Fool Around and Fell in Love. Yes. And, like, do you know the singer on that wasn't Elvin Bishop, who was a blues guitarist, but uh, a yeah. guy named Mickey Thomas, who went on to become singer of... Starship. Yes. Oh, okay. Who's yep. that? That's so when you hear those songs, like they don't, singers don't sound alike. I mean, you got Grace Slick going on, uh-huh. we built this city and Sarah, but I mean. Yeah. But that's how he was discovered, is what John's saying. He was discovered in this group with Elvin Bishop, and then Grace obviously offered him this job in Starship, which changed their whole 80s sound. Yeah. yeah. That's and then like, repeatedly on list, like that song, We Built This City, is widely regarded as being the worst song ever written in the 1980s which I fully disagree with I completely disagree I used it's to a burn good, that you song you know why it's a, it's a good CD. they played the fucking it's hell out of okay, it you would like know. I lived in that that song was played so much it's like what I told you about in the previous episode with um Jeremy I remember that song yeah. but here's the thing I own that record so obviously yeah. it, it must have got to me yeah. so but it's yeah. a good song but I, mean, but I think they regard that as just like indicative of everything the 80s were but it's like that's not always a bad thing you know there's and, and, and Sarah was on there also and, and that's the other thing that you alluded to was the Guardians of the Galaxy was one on my list because it, mm-hmm. it was a big I noticed from my family aspect a lot of my older family loved that movie because of that soundtrack and that got them into the Marvel movies yeah. like just as a I mean little side note but you don't realize how far it kind of goes <laughs> Like, my parents couldn't wait till Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out. And that yeah. soundtrack's fantastic as well. Yeah. yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of those soundtracks that... It's funny from A to B. It's just a well-done movie. Even the part two had to play a big part in that, you know? Chris Pratt yeah. was his kind of... Yeah. Took him to the moon. Catapulted it. The movie wouldn't be the same without the music in it, for no. sure. Yeah. All right, here's one that is hard to... People don't realize that, oh, yeah, duh, that's a fucking soundtrack. Is because they everybody thinks it's just it's just the one person on the soundtrack, but there's 
couple other people on that soundtrack too. The time, Purple Rain. Mm, that's Purple yeah. Rain. With that that album was huge. Yeah, it catapulted Prince to this whole freaking other category, and the movie did the same thing. And that is, I, I own it on vinyl, CD. The movie's awesome. It, it, to me, it's not dated. I mean, you can. That's a snapshot of that time. And it's great to watch. If you have never watched it, I highly recommend it. That's why I didn't put it on my list. I also put it because I tried to keep... I do soundtracks, maybe sometimes it be just one artist, but I tried to be like, that encapsulates many different artists and sounds. That's why I was like, Prince, I also put down uh, the Beatles on Help and Hard Day's Night. Like, Uh you can view those albums outside of the movie as just being like, their albums. Like, not realizing, oh, they were actual soundtracks to movies. So that's kind of why it was like, it's hard putting... So you put Prince down for soundtracks, what's the other big one he had? Yeah, Batman. Uh, there you go. Batman. But that, that, and then if you also want to get fair, but like it wasn't ever a big movie, it was Under the Cherry Moon. I Which think is had, a black and white movie he did that was like an art piece that was pretty decent, in my opinion. No just didn't get the notoriety, you know, because he was trying to be artistic. No, I know exactly yeah, like If you I'm go just, back and look at it, you see it as a piece of like great work. Yeah. But and a lot of people weren't wanting that. People wanted pop. People wanted, you know... They wanted Purple Rain 2, basically, is what they wanted. Well, and, and Batman, I knew... That was kind of one of the first movies I had watched, too, when I was younger. I had a lot of... My parents' films were just, like, all over. I shouldn't have been watching half the films I watched. <laughs> Batman, I was watching that, and I'm like, wow, this soundtrack is really good. It's You know, because that movie's kind of quirky a little bit. Yeah, Because so it had Danny Elfman, too. Yeah. Doing a lot of this, like... But the scene with Jack Nicholson throwing the paint, you know, it, God, I can't even think of the, the song title, but... Where he's running around, he's throwing the paint on the canvas, and then he, you know, he's like, boo. You know, he, yeah. throw, he throws the water Party on. Man. Yeah, yes, there you go, Party Man. They had, like, like, the Bat Dance, which was another good one out there. Because that yeah. was, like, the big single. Because they, cause they did, like, the remix, like, they take, like, the time of the dialogue from the movie and throw it in there, so. I just oh. thought that was part of the movie for the longest time. I'm like, oh, Prince made that. I got a good story. <laughs> I listened to this podcast a month or so ago where Danny Elfman was on, Mark Marin. He came up with that score, that big theme music. While he was flying from England to the United States, so he carried always a tape recorder on him. So he went into the bathroom and he's doing all the score, like da 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 da, you know, on this tape recorder. And he would like come up with another idea, go back in the bathroom and do it. So he kept on going back and forth to where the stewardess was like, Are you okay, sir? Like thinking that maybe he was like doing something yeah. he shouldn't be doing or something, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, like, yeah. but he's just trying to get them because the music came to him for Batman when he was flying back from England, and and that theme too is one of the better like movie themes. Mm-hmm. You know, besides obviously Prince having part of it. I'm saying like the actual score of the the movie is yes. very good. Well, the score and the soundtrack both mm-hmm. a plus because he was also in a mid '80s movie called Weird Science because that's when he was singer of Boingo Boingo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. I thought in the podcast how he was. You, in you might have. Yeah, like he did like Dead Man's Party, Weird Science. Yeah. Like so that's all they did the uh, they did the end song of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Goodbye, goodbye. I think. Yeah, they did that one. So that yeah. yeah, Elfman. Um, and he did the Simpsons theme. Yeah, I, I do know that. If you get every chance, check it out. That podcast. It kind of delves into his whole career. It's like an hour long. Um, it's pretty damn good because um, he's he's a musical genius in my opinion. Even his new album is really really good. It's dark, but I turned a lot of people onto that too that are into that kind of music but he just uh, remixed some stuff with Trent Reznor for that album that just came out this past week I think it was or the week before last he's got a lot of mad respect even in the music industry and stuff too alright what you got 8 Mile oh wow this is growing up this is very big for me you really, you really must have loved your mom's spaghetti huh? yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's weak but 
That was a huge movie. I've watched that movie, I don't know how many times, but I think uh, 8 Mile was big for... I think it took Eminem to, like, super stratosphere, because yeah. he had had, uh, I think, only two albums at that point, you know, his LP mm-hmm. and then uh, the Marshall Mathers, which were yeah. great, but after that, he made the Eminem show. I mean, all the what you think of Eminem yeah. after that. He took a note from Prince, is why. So you know how that movie is not really about his life, but it's kind of about his life? Mm-hmm. That's the way Purple Rain was. It wasn't really about Prince's life, but it was kind of about his life. So I think I think Marshall Mathers did an excellent job yeah. with that movie. But no, 8 Mile, I, that's a great choice. And it's literally... Uh, he won an Academy Award for it, too. Yeah, I think that song, Lose Yourself, is probably his biggest song, too. Yeah. My, my opinion for, like... Everybody knew who Eminem was after that. That uh, Lose Yourself, I mean, if you ask anybody what their songs are for, like, their top ten workout songs. It's iconic, yeah. It, that song is, like, it's rocky. It's like rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. very good. Yeah, it's like one of those pump you up, get you going songs. Does anybody have that on there? What? Yeah, rocky rocky? No, I didn't even think about that. Rocky Four. it's not mine, because it's not my era. Yeah. But I did, when I was doing some research, wow. someone said that, I was like... A couple of those songs were on GTA, and then I looked it up. Well, that was the soundtrack to Rock, like Burning Heart by Survivor, yes. and all that, you know. And then you watched that movie, and I'm like, Ooh. What you got, JT? Uh, next one. Dazed and Confused. I mean, I think we oh touched gosh, on that one. Oh, my gosh, what a great freaking sound. I own that, too. Yeah, yeah that was great just movie. like, that was known. Like some, I think they've had actually two soundtracks. I think they had, like, a big thing yeah. back then was, They like, couldn't they, get all the music on it. Yeah, so they were, like, even more Dazed and Confused. I mean, yeah. I mean, but I think the movie itself... Movie starting out with Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith, kind of ending with Slow Rock by Foghat. So, like, everything's sandwiched in between. It's, you obviously see, like, when they do schools up by Alice Cooper, you always imagine, like, the last day of school, like, mm-hmm. just, like, running out of there, like, Summertime. tipping over stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then recently, because we lost the musician in this band, but uh, I point out, like, you can't be a person to hear the song not think about riding with friends, like, throwing bowling balls through cars, like, knocking over mm-hmm. trash cans. But uh, ZZ Top doing Tush. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, because I, I wanted to know here, I mean, the characters are saying, like, how lame the 70s are, how they wish they grew up in the 60s. Maybe the 80s would be cool, but it's kind of like, <laughs> I think we always kind of look forward now, like, how many people are like, oh, man, I wish I grew up in 76, because that would have been so awesome. I mean, it's kind of... True. I think you're always nostalgic for a time that either was before or after, but maybe realizing... Yeah. You growing up in, like, you growing up in the mid-2000s, yeah. you know? Like, True. late 90s, early 2000s, like, Johnny, like, 80s, me, 90s, it's kind of like, it's... Well, I was in 80s, 90s, because I went from late 80s to early 90s. Yeah, me that, too. That, that, that My, I, I mean, I was born in 81, so it's kind of like, by the time I started coming in, like, musical taste, like, I could remember some of the yeah. 80s, but, like, I was more of a 90s kid. Uh-huh. But then I can't be, like, 90s kid, I was more like a 90s teen. See, and that's why I think I've always felt that... I'm almost a nostalgic kid in a sense, like because yeah. my parents grew up with all the music from the late '70s, early '80s. Yeah. So I just grew up like, loving I, that era. So I've kind of like felt like I wish I was alive in that era. <laughs> See, well, most cause, yeah, because like one of my one of my uh, honorable mentions was more to like my dad's music. Like he, that's all we listened to in the car growing up on the oldie station was like Animal House and American Graffiti. Yeah, like, that's all that '50s and '60s music, and it's like. That was what I grew up listening to. So, like, it's like, I could be nostalgic for that, but it's just kind of like when I'm growing up, like, buying my first alternative album, like, 96, 97, I'm, like, 16 by the time I'm finally starting to listen to actual rock music that, like, everyone else I know is... I like that you mentioned that, that you to. mentioned to your your dad, because that's going to be my last one on here, my ten, my 10, is the record that my mom had in her collection 
that impacted me quite a bit. And like I talked about previous, like my dad and my godfather influenced me. And I did mention my mom before, like Carol King, but the biggest influence my mom had on me was she loved Motown music. And so if anybody knows, like I have this relationship with my mom now, it's a little bit hard. So it's nice to have these memories that you have in your head and like you can do that with any kind of music, you know? Like there's memories of your childhood that you brought up, Reese. There's memories mm-hmm. of your childhood you brought up about your dad or mm-hmm. JT. But to me, like when I hear the big chill soundtrack, it reminds me of my mom and she loved watching the movie. We used to watch it. Yeah. The only person that was all that music in that movie was pretty much Motown music, except for Green's Clearwater Revival, which was in there also. And this this I love Motown music. Motown music was just so great. And, and, I, and I mean, Stevie Wonder, you know, The Temptations, you know, I mean, you can go on and on and on, but that movie it still sticks in my head, too, because I remember watching the movie, and it dealt with death, and dealt with one of their friends committing suicide, and the person that actually is in that casket, who didn't get to make his movie debut, but his body's in there, is Kevin Costner. I did not know that. <laughs> Kevin Costner was trying to get his debut, and didn't put him in any scenes or anything, except for the one movie where he's in, in the casket in the beginning of the movie. He went and eventually got his big break with that same director, Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan, who did Empire Strikes Back. Lawrence Kasdan, who did Silverado. Lawrence Kasdan, who did Indiana Jones. You know, I mean, well, because speaking of like inauspicious debuts, like speaking of like Animal House, like Kevin Bacon's debut is in the first scene of that movie. Yes, he plays one of the frat pledges that they meet, and mm-hmm. just but, one line. That's it. You know, like so you're talking about like guys who went on later have. I'm sure one of you probably has this movie with Kevin Bacon on the mm-hmm. on your list. I'm get, I don't have it, but Footloose. Foot, like, yeah, oh, yeah, that. yeah, that's yeah like I had that. that written down. I have one we didn't mention, which was huge. Was huger than the movie Saturday Night Fever. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us.